0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in I lose you That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire, entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I say shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your co-host Will. I'm joined here by my co-host Jaron.
1: What is up, guys?
0: Today we're going to be getting into the Mavericks halfway through the season uh, marker, um, halfway in the season review, whatever you want to call it. We're going to be analyzing what this Dallas Mavericks team has done. Forty-one games, I guess technically forty-two, since we're recording this after the Clippers game last night. Uh, We're going to be analyzing what the Mavericks have done up until this point into the season. We're getting into a variety of different topics, of course, such as uh, does this Mavericks team have an identity at the moment? And if so, what is it? Um, we're going to analyze the third ball handler situ- situation, how the Mavericks have uh, tended to that situation and the lack of a third ball handler and you know what they've done to supplement so far this season. Because that was obviously a big question coming into the season when we were in the off season, we're going to talk yeah. about Lucas standing in the MVP conversation as that is something that's kind of getting under talked about right now amidst the most insane stretch of his career, uh, quite literally, and uh, you know I, I think a lot of the advanced statistics would definitely be pointing in term into in in uh, in Doncic's favor in terms of uh, you know being the front runner in that discussion. So we'll of course get to that. We're gonna you know kind of compare this year's team versus last year's team. Uh, things of that nature we'll get into some trade stuff not necessarily like specific fake trades uh, that we're going to see we could see the Mavericks doing Um, but just like which players are more expendable on this team you know what type of player do you think the Mavericks are going to be looking for at the trade deadline do you think that they're actually going to make a move for one we'll take a look a little step back look at the Mavericks brass you know the head coach situation how are Nico Harrison Mark Cuban Jason Kidd doing we're going to make some predictions at the end of the podcast, you know, in terms of where the, we think the Mavericks might be at the end of the year with their record, uh, where we predicted them to be probably halfway through the season, what we thought the record may have been right now. And, you know, then lastly, we'll, we'll kind of look at every player just a little bit and, you know, not do some sort of like deep, you know, season interview or analyzation, but we'll give a brief debrief on everybody on the team real quick. Just a sort of a state of the dress or, State of the Union address or whatever you yeah. want to call it, right? Where we kind of just – we'll talk about everybody, you know, who we've been surprised by, who kind of surpassed expectations, who maybe went under expectations, and who kind of met expectations, things of that nature. But, you know, we talk about these guys on the daily, so we won't go insanely in depth to them, but we'll definitely uh kind of cover, cover some of the overarching things in terms of uh, their performance this season. Uh, but before we get into all that on this uh, splendid uh, – halfway season in review pod. Here's an ad from our sponsor anchor. All right, Jaren. So getting it into it right off the top. Um, I think a kind of a question that has really not been posed by too many Mavericks fans. Um, and when I did ask this on Twitter, I got kind of some mixed responses, but I, I do think that it is kind of um, intriguing in its nature. If you really um answer the question to its to its core right um you know I pose the question what is the identity of this Mavericks team right now and, you know a lot of people responded oh like we have a heliocentric offense and Luca's is our play style and he is our he is our team like I that's like the play style of the Mavericks but as a team what is that their identity and I guess what I mean by that more so uh, what I insinuate by that that question is like what direction do you think that this team is going in long-term? Uh, what have they shown you up until this point of the season that, like, helps shape, like, a team-wide identity? Um, and do you think that they have, like, a clear direction in terms of where they're going, you know, whether they're going backwards, forwards, or they're just stagnating? Uh, what do you think the identity of the, the 2022-23 Dallas Mavericks has been up to up into this point?
1: Uh, I think just looking at it, you know, from a general perspective, I mean, this definitely hasn't been – uh, the season that we all hope for after that Western conference finals run that we made last season. um, You know, I figured we would probably be finals contenders at least uh, contenders to the worst. Uh, But nonetheless, I mean, this team, you know, after taking such a huge drop of basically losing our second player for nothing, I think it, they're definitely on the, the horizon. The future is bright is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, Now, I mean, with that being said, you know, if you're looking at play style or you know how, how the fit looks on the court, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I don't mean to get as general as this, but it just kind of depends on, you know, kind of circling one player is Tim Hardaway. Uh, I mean, if you keep him on the team, you know, the, it, clearly you're committing to the, I guess, three point shots, the uh centric model or whatever you want to call it. Whatever I don't know. Um, I, I just think, you know, there's a lot of flexibility that you can have around that um, whether it's with him or not, but uh, I mean a lot's gonna say of what's gonna happen in this offseason. I know we're halfway through, but I think to me the future looks bright, especially with Hardy coming in, doing such his such a, a great job that he's been doing these past few games. Uh with Josh Green's emergence, Christian Wood has looked amazing on court uh with the Luca fit and everything and how luka has been playing. Um, I think it's just safe to say or it's hard not to say that the future doesn't look bright.
0: Um yeah, no. So that's an interesting point that you make there uh, regarding Tim Hardaway Jr being kind of like essentially like the marker um, yeah. that you've like, basically you're identifying with the Mavericks play style and their identity to an extent. I mean, there's like a lot of like narratives, I guess you can bring in with that, right? Like Tim Hardaway Jr. was, I, I believe he's the only piece remaining from the KP trade when that happened.
1: No, he, he, yeah, he is. Yeah,
0: He's definitely one of the more uh, tenured veterans on the Mavericks. I think outside of Luca, he and Dwight. And Dwight and Dorian, of course, you know, and Maxi, like the, the absolute staples who have been here since you know, before Luke Luca's rookie year. Like I'm pretty sure Tim Hardaway Jr. is like one of the more longer tenured Mavericks. Um, so that's interesting how you know you align his performance and you know, just him kind of being this catch-and-shoot guy, um, in line with like the the heliocentric uh play style that the Mavericks are committed to with Luca. And uh, things of that nature. Is it, it was a very interesting comparison. Um, you know, I I think that there's there's credence to the fact that the Mavericks may have um, a bright future, and I mean especially you know with the potential ascension of Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, and uh, you know of course who knows how they're going to pan out in the future, but um, I I think that we're all definitely pleasantly surprised that they're probably giving us a little bit more than you know at times it it may have we may have been admittedly maybe a little too pessimistic upon them and, you know, Oh, the Mavericks, uh, these, these guys aren't going to move the needle, but like, I mean, who, who knows what these guys could develop into in a few years. I mean, I, I definitely think there's creeds to that, like you said. Um, but I, I would push back on um, just in terms of like how like overtly said I am on the Mavericks uh, being, you know, in that upper echelon, you know, for years to come and having like a really bright future. Um I, I think that there are some things that have to be addressed with this team. Yeah, and for sure. I don't know if they have the assets um, and the draft capital necessarily to pull it off. And I, I think that that's a lot of things that, that, that's a lot of the reason that fans have been so pessimistic around this team is, is just the lack of a clear direction. And that that's kind of what I, I pose that question um, regarding the Mavericks identity. Cause in my opinion, they don't have an identity. And I don't know if that's controversial in nature, um, but just from like a team-wide perspective, it's like this team has kind of been the benefactors of a really insane Luca stretch, obviously the best of his career um, throughout a stretch in which they beat, you know, some teams with a really weak strength. To, you know, they were beating some pretty bad teams. You know, they had a really like weak strength to schedule. This Mavericks team has found some weird ways to lose this year. They found some, uh, you know, weird ways to win but you know like the consensus is I think is that you know this team is like very much a if you if you just watch them game to game you know you pro, and if you never like kept track of the score or anything what do you what would you what do you think this Mavericks team record would be
1: <laughs> I mean I don't even think they reached the 500 point echelon but yeah. I would probably predict like 500
0: or somewhere around yeah there. yeah so that, that's why I bring this up. you know they have some like weird occurrences and happenings and you know my by all means am I you know definitely jovial that they are where they are right now in terms of their record and being fourth or fifth in the west but there's there's obviously a lot of work to do and there's a much harder strength of schedule going forward and things of that nature and you know we'll have to see how they reincorporate uh, Maxi, Dorian and Josh when they get back from their injuries. You know, that's another thing to mention, of course, you know, these guys, um, all three of those guys essentially have been out, out like two or three weeks now. And Maxi, uh, you know, while Dorian and Josh are on the horizon to return, um, Maxi, of course, probably going to be out like another month, month and a half. And all of this essentially has happened um, in this insane Lucas stretch where, you know, he led the Mavericks to that seven game win streak, had multiple 50 plus point outings, a 60 point game, you know, that game against the Knicks, of course. So it's, it's definitely been like a really weird stretch for the Mavericks, but they've, yeah. you know, done more than tread water amazingly. Um, but it still, you know, feels as if like, okay, like we haven't got this team at full strength. Um, you know, we see in a game like the Clippers and the Celtics game, like these past couple teams, like they clearly, you know, I can't speak for when their rotation is, you know, fully there. Cause we only saw that a few times at the beginning of the season, of course, but they clearly, can't match up in at least in this rendition of the team against the the best teams in the league, uh, when those teams are um, you know, healthy and honestly probably, you know, and the Mavericks are healthy as well. Uh, yet they're able to smack down pretty handily on some of these worser opponents. Um, you know, at least I think if you know, some of these role players like Maxi, Dorian, and Josh were playing in that in that stretch where Luca, you know, was having his insane stretch against a weak strength they schedule. Like I think the Mavericks may there's, they definitely probably take care of some of those games a little more handily. Um, but, you know, it's like, are, are they just like teetering somewhere and like perpetual mediocrity? Uh, do you think that this team is like a certain amount of moves away uh, from like being like in real contention? Or do you think that they're like purposefully stagnating um, in route to, you know, just kind of getting the season over with? So, they have some different things open up in terms of their future draft picks that they can trade. Uh, then I th- I think after this season, um, they're, they'll be available to trade their 2025 pick, uh, things of that nature. Or are they kind of just playing the waiting game uh, this year as there's they're kind of limited in terms of their flexibility?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, look, like, it, it's a little bit of everything in my opinion. Uh, I mean, I hate to be this way. This is like legacy media 101 right here. But, I mean, you have Luka Doncic, so your, your, your future is automatically going to be bright in some way. Um, now, with that being said, I think if the Mavericks play their pawns right with this whole Christian Woods situation, uh, of course, you know, with Josh Green and Jane Hardy, their emergence, that, that's key. Um, but nonetheless, I think if you can play your pawns right in that situation, it definitely bodes well for a future um, that is brighter with Luka Doncic. But, um, you know, alluding to this season, they, they found a way to more than more than Treadwater or like Treadwater better than most teams have this season, especially with how wild the West has been. Uh, they found a way to sort of elevate into a fourth seed whenever, you know, I don't believe they're a four seed. I know you don't believe they're a four seed. So I guess just that alone. And again, I mean, I know it's Luka Doncic and everything, but just that alone, I think with how mediocre this team is uh, you add a few more pieces here and there minus this season, of course uh, you add a few pieces here and there, you know, of course you get some guys back from injury, uh, this team, the future looks brighter. Uh, now with that being said, just this season alone, I think this is more of a, uh, I don't want to call it a punt season because I do think that they're a playoff team, but a, a mediocre season, compared, like what we'll see of, uh, Luka Doncic era, I guess in Dallas. But I, I think as long as the Mavericks can play their pawns, right, which, you know, history says they don't. Um, again, I mean, this is like, I I don't want it to be this way, but Nikos Harrison, you know, he has to really, uh, I guess, get the ball rolling here, uh, which I, I, you know, I haven't seen enough of to prove not, uh, or I guess to prove different of to, you know, what he can do with his job. But I mean, I I just think that there's a few moves away from this team's being uh, another contender or at least another Western conference approach or Western conference um, appearance than uh, what they are now.
0: No, like 100%. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there when, you know, talking about um, where this team currently projects. But, you know, with that being said, obviously, you know, we're not going to go in depth into this or anything, but, you know, we have to obviously mention Jalen Brunson's departure. Uh, yeah. You know, Of course, when he left over, this, uh, over the offseason, that vastly, um, I think, had to affect, even if maybe national media didn't recognize it, I think those of us that, you know, are covering the team day to day, Definitely recognize that this was going to be something that severely hampered the Mavericks if they didn't make the correct moves in accordance to uh, to fill the void that he left. And, you know, they did indeed add Christian Wood, which we'll get into him and his contract situation a little later. Um, but you know that well that did fill a void of some of the offensive production it's not some sort of like one of one replacement for Brunson that for sure. yeah. uh, the you know the Mavericks uh, brass is kind of try to push the agenda of that points uh, so, you know so that that's obviously definitely I think something that you know I definitely would like to segue into and that's of course the that the the third ball handler situation and the uh, the progression of that what the Mavericks have tried to do for the, to supplement for the loss of Jalen Brunson, who, who again, I'm, you know, we're not going to go into his departure. We have a plethora of off season podcasts. If you want to go listen to us rant about the Mavericks um, objectively failing to keep Jalen Brunson around and um, their mismanagement of his contract that dates back to when, you know, his rookie year, things of that nature, you can go listen to that, but you know, that's not something we're going to harp on at this point, but we obviously have to acknowledge his departure and the void that he left. Um, So how do you think the Mavericks have uh, been able to try and fill this third ball handler situation? Uh, You know, they've obviously signed a couple guys, and now, you know, those guys are no longer on the team. Uh, Do you think that they've been able to bounce back from his departure in that department relatively effectively? Or do you still think they're looking for a solution?
1: Uh, Okay, I mean, like, for sure this team is looking for a solution, nonetheless, but, uh, I mean, you really have to go back to that whole situation between – Goron Dragic and then the Dallas Mavericks in the offseason, pretty much where the Mavericks neglected to sign Dragic to a contract because he would only be playing one of five games or one of every five games. Now, I think the Mavericks have completely swallowed the pill on that narrative where, you know, hey, we don't need a third ball handler. We have Frank Nilakina. He's the guy. Um, They've completely swallowed their word on that. And I think they've owned up to it. But, you know, with how they've, I guess, band-aided over that mishap that they had. Uh, you know, Faku Compazzo, Kimball Walker, uh, now Jane Hardy. I mean, it, it's definitely a a topic of discussion and a sore subject whenever it revolves the Mavericks. But I, I, I don't want to say they've done a terrible job. I don't want to say they've done a great job. It, they've done a mediocre job. I think that this is probably the best job they've done yet to date uh, with the whole Jane Hardy sort of situation, Jane Hardy and Frank, whatever you want to call it. Um I just think that this is probably the best outlook for the team. You know, you're developing a guy that is only, I think he's only 20 years old now. Um I, I mean, worse comes to worst, you know, it just doesn't turn out, but he's been playing pretty good. Now, you know, is there a future plan for this? I, I just I hope there is. Uh, because that sort of like three-headed snake sort of situation where Dinwiddie was coming off the bench and then you had Brunson and Luca handling the ball and that starting lineup, that was just so deadly. Uh, for other teams in the West, and I would hope to see other things like that, or at least a um, identity with that again. But it just kind of seems like the Mavericks are running their same sort of philosophy on offense with that same mind. Uh, whenever they clearly don't have the personnel to do so.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, again, I think that you brought up some great points there. I I think I would definitely reciprocate what you said about Hardy, Uh, just from the standpoint that, like, you know, with the Walker and the. Composite situations, you know, Walker, obviously, in a couple games there, you like definitely really saw the potential in terms of him actually being able to be, you know, maybe, you know, well, Dinwiddie, of course, maintains his position. He he would have maintained his position theoretically. You saw that division when Walker scored 32 against the Cavs in that one game when, uh, you know, a plethora of Mavericks weren't playing. And just a few other games where he definitely outperformed, I think, really any of our expectations, just really in, you know, maybe like two or three games. Right. Um, But he obviously just wasn't able to play consistently uh, and no small part due to his knee. And, um, you know, it it just wasn't like when it, you know, became time for the Mavericks to make a decision in regards to his contract being guaranteed or non-guaranteed. They obviously chose to not guarantee it, and he was uh, subsequently waived. And, I mean, it, it was unfortunate because, you know, I did like Kemba in his very, very, very brief time here. He was a great guy. Um, he seemed like he, you know, was actually making, like, a conscious effort to, you know, get to know the young players and the younger guards and stuff like that and um, mentor them where he could. And, and I mean, he played and he, he gave his all when he was on the court as well. Um, but, you know, if his knee, I guess, really just was that bad as, you know, those in the Mavericks front office kind of had alluded to and things of that nature. Um, I mean, it makes sense as to why he's gone because he couldn't even provide a steady 10 to 15 minutes a game, which, you know, I think he had the skill to, and was yeah. good enough to do so. Uh, but I just don't think his knee was able to hold up and Compozo is a whole other story, you know, that I think was a sort of abject failure by the Mavericks front office after they saw in preseason that they couldn't go into the regular season without a third ball handler, you know, and obviously we can go back to the off season in terms of diagnosing that that was going to be an issue for the Mavericks. I don't know if whose like prerogative that was to be like, Oh, like we can do ball handling by committee. You know, I, I don't know if the Mavericks were just trying to like test the water, see if they could get away with that play style without having another ball handler to come in and relieve duty, you know, that duty sometimes, like even like last year before they had Brunson in, I mean, before they had Dinwiddie, like they at least had Trey Burke to come in, you know, sometimes at the beginning of the season, they legitimately had nothing until Composite was signed, I believe, like right after preseason. And, uh, you know, I, so I don't really know what, like, who's, who was sort of spearheading that narrative within the Mavericks front office, you know, you can have our assumptions, whether that be Cuban or uh, Nico Harrison, I, I'm sure that everybody would probably hop on the Cuban bandwagon as I mean, I would if I had to guess. Yeah, but I mean, true. I I don't I don't necessarily know where that arises. Obviously, the Mavericks didn't have a like in you know in honesty, like they didn't have a ton of flexibility after Brunson left. It's not unless they swung a trade, which they still have the ability to do, by the way. Um, they it's not like they were gonna go get the uh, the cure all third ball in or and I mean they're still not really in the position to do that. But there were some you know different guys on minimum deals. Obviously, you referenced Trahage. You know Schroeder was available during the off season. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if he was the Mavericks were really any ever in contention to sign him, but there were some different fixes that there some different workarounds and the Mavericks, I mean, just neglected it completely, went into training camp without that third ball handler and then came out of it realizing they needed one. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that, you know, I don't, well, I don't think it's a major issue because I don't know if they had any like sort of needle movers that they were, would have been able to sign over the off season uh, before getting into camp that I'm like regretting now. Um, I, I think that they're at least, you know, while the situation is definitely not tended to, and I still think it's a prevalent issue, Like I think that that's pretty easily distinguishable. Um, you know, that Hardy is just not there yet, especially from a playmaking perspective. I'd rather have him eat up minutes and, you know, further his development. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Then, you know, you know, Kemba, you know, mildly contributing in a way that doesn't really move the needle or, you know, Camposo doing the same. I'd rather have Hardy get those minutes. I mean, I think you bring up a great point there. And while it's not best case scenario, and idealistically, the Mavericks, you know, would have another third ball handler to be able to tend to all those needs right now. I, in the in the best case scenario, one that pushes Dinwiddie down to a bench. That who knows when we're gonna get that. I'd rather yeah. you know, and, and go out instead of signing like ex other you know veteran free agent at some point this season. I do like. Hardy's ascension into that role. And, you know, even if it's, you know, if you win one more game by substituting a veteran point guard like DJ Augustine in there, like I'd rather have Hardy just for the developmental reasons. So I think I would reciprocate most of the things you said there. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, next let's go ahead and segue into uh Luka Doncic and his positioning into the MVP conversation. Um, obviously this has been his best season to date. Um, I'll look at his uh season statistics here momentarily Um, but I I just wanted to like quickly ask you where is he on your MVP ladder this is not really something that we've had time to to get to in in, and midst our postgame pods you know we obviously talk very glowingly about Luca and um, talk about his role on the team and um, you know just everything everything that he does and how amazing he is and how uh, prevalent and uh, essential he is to this Mavericks team Um, but but we haven't really took a step back Um, You know, outside, if you follow me on or us on Twitter, rather at mainstream underscore Mavs, where, you know, we'll essentially, you know, or occasionally rather get into some of those uh, topics of discussion, be like, oh, Lucas won MVP on this, but I haven't really got got into it on the podcast. So where are you at in terms of uh, where you think Luca is in terms of the MVP standings right now?
1: Yeah, I think if you ask me this question. I mean, probably about a month and a half ago, I would say, you know, he's definitely in the top three, but not, not my number one. I would probably would have put Tatum or Jokic or even Giannis over him. Uh, but as of, you know, uh, what's the date as of January 11th, 2023, uh, he would definitely be my number one in that list. I think the things that Luca has done, especially in that seven game stretch where, you know, you put up 50, 60, and then another 50 point game all within, you know, a week uh, I mean that, stretch alone just elevates him into another level of basketball that none of the guys that he is playing with uh can even compete with uh and that alone I think is the reason why he's a number one contender for me so I guess yeah I mean I said it just now you know he's my number one guy uh I don't think there's anybody close of course the polling would say different I don't even think he's in the top three anymore uh which is just really unfortunate and you know with the Mavericks sort of what was at the beginning of the season I could definitely understand why he wasn't in the top 5 of even consideration but with I mean the recent success that they've had over the last 10 games I just think it's hard to not put him in there but nonetheless I I think I think currently uh he's fourth in voting with a uh I'll pull up his averages right here 34 points per game um let's see he has eight rebounds almost nine rebounds a game almost nine assists a game almost two steals a game I mean these are just incredible stats uh, he's shooting 35% from three, which is an incredible feat. Uh, 58% from the field. I mean, just just incredible numbers that he's been putting up all season long. And to me, he's undisputably the the number one MVP, number one MVP candidate, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I mean, um, he's honestly he's running the table away on like a lot of these advanced stats. Yet, I mean, I'm not you know, occasionally I'll dive into advanced stats on Twitter and things of that nature, but. I'm not just going to go sit here and like list off all his numbers in regard to his, you know, offensive box plus minus and everything. I don't think it's an actual stat, but um, just, you know, I'm not going to go off the top and just list every single prerequisite and stat as to why Lucas should be MVP. Um, but he's running the table on a lot of advanced stats. Like I know he leads the category in VORP, um, yep. which is, you know, typically a pretty esteemed marker in terms of distinguishing like the best players in the league and like, you know, at the top, you know, from honestly like top down. And there, there's just a bunch of things that he's like, you know, running the table and over Jokic, which a lot of people's main argument was, you know, Jokic has, you know, led that camp for so long, but now Luka is finally in the driver's seat on a lot of these, you know, quintessential, uh, you know, advanced stats in terms of, you know, the certain like hallmarks of an MVP, right? And, you know, I, I think maybe because of, how Luca has had to carry some of these games. I think this may have had some unintended ripple effects that hurt his MVP conversation potentially, Um, not even to his own fault. I mean, I think it's largely unfair, but I mean, maybe there's a certain, you know, because of the whole uh, sort of prerogative of, you know, oh, get Luca help, you know, by Mavs fans that's starting to catch wind within national media. Uh, Maybe that by default starts... You know, national media voters and national media, uh, you know, coverage to maybe start to think of the narrative that the Mavericks have a bad record or a bad team if they haven't like watched too much of the Mavericks. Um, you know, which I mean, obviously we don't think the Mavericks are the best team in the world, but uh, to say that they have a bad record, I mean, it's would would obviously just be uh, you know, objectively untrue. Like they are twenty three and nineteen. It's not um, insane, and it's not gaudy or you know moving the needle into me considering them a contender or anything but I mean it's a solid record and you look back to Jokic last year whose team was in a relatively similar position I mean I think Luka and Jokic have a very obviously wildly different in terms of their styles but I think in terms of their overall defensive impact on the game it's fairly comparable and, you know, Jokic has won back-to-back MVPs. Luca, you know, has – loses one or two games, and he's seemingly out of the MVP conversation. Yeah. It, it does seem like it's a bit unfair in terms of that amidst the – you know, you listen to our podcast every day. You hear, hear us talk about his play style and all the different things he does uh, in terms of what – you know, how beneficial he is to this team. You, you know, you really understand. And I'm sure, you know, if you're listening to this, you've obviously – Definitely can easily distinguish and understand the plethora of reasons as to you know why Luka Doncic is as good as he is, Um, and you know for him to you know legitimately be spearheading and essentially being the only reason that the Mavericks are where they are to an extent, and uh, for him to you know get this perceived I wouldn't say disrespect but um, you know maybe um, you know unfair criticism to an extent or unfair. Uh, critique from national media in terms of his standing in the MVP race and rap to posting some other guys who he has beat out in advanced stats. Um, some of which, you know, his team's record is almost as good as, yeah. Uh, despite, you know, I, I get some of those guys at the top over Luca have technical better team records, but, um, for having his team in a position where they are, it's, it's very comparable to like what Jokic did last year. Like I said, yet Luca's playing, even better offensively um, versus Jokic last year. I mean, he's. He, I think Jokic last year and in the last two years has obviously been insane. But I think Luca's impact on the game is goes even beyond that, just with how much he's asked to do um, in terms of being a primary ball handler. I think that that's the main distinguishment. That 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 was probably the only like marker that would you know say, okay, like Luca's doing more for this team. Um, and, I mean, if we're going, you know, by that by that litmus test, like I just don't see why he isn't the clear front runner up until this point. If the Mavericks slide and they ended up finishing in that play-in echelon, that's a totally different story. But to have them where he has them at this point in the season, um, doing, you know, just his counting stats, his advanced stats, uh, how he's affected the game on all levels, improved even, you know, even if it's just slightly and marginally, he's improved a little bit as a defender He's at the apex in terms of his athleticism, how it's yeah, ever yeah. been in, in the NBA. I, I just don't see why he's the leader in the clubhouse. And then, you know, you can call us bias because we're a mouse podcast and obviously we don't have time to, you know, go into counter arguments as to why the other candidates shouldn't win. You know, I, I, the all amazing players, but I think Luca just is in a, in a, in a club of his own right now, even ahead more. So those are the guys and, you know, I, I don't have um, we don't have the time, unfortunately, today to, you know, uh, if it's something later in the season and, you know, the awards come out and the Mavericks are out of the playoffs, we'll definitely go more into it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we don't have the time today to, like, iron out why he should be over X candidate and compare candidates accordingly. But nonetheless, like I think having watched this team every day and, you know, still watching the NBA in general on a consistent basis um, both of us, you know, are unbiased opinion. Taking our Mavericks fanship away would yeah. agree that he should be the MVP of the league.
1: No, I mean, without a doubt. I know that he's the, the number one offense uh, in the league throughout the whole season has been uh, the Boston Celtics with like 120 points per game or 120 points per 100 possessions. Luka Doncic being on the court uh, elevates the Mavericks into a 121 point uh, per 100 possessions. And, I mean, just that stat alone, I mean, I think just triumphs any other counter stat that you can prove.
0: No, like 100%. um, You know, obviously it wouldn't be sustainable for Luca to play 48 minutes in a game, but theoretically if he kept up his same pace of production for 48 minutes, um, basically as the sole engine of the Mavericks offense, he would lead them to the best offense in the league. With with the uh, limitations of this team, I mean, it's just wildly impressive as a stat despite – you know, how uh, it may not be applicable to certain situations and things. I mean, that's – that those some of his on-off numbers in terms of how the Mavericks are and are without him, Uh, he's just running the floor compared to any other candidate. And, I mean, there's no argument to be made there as he definitely means the most to this team versus, I think, anybody. I think he means the most to his team versus any other player in the league. I think that that's objectively –
1: no, that's for sure. Uh, don't don't quote me on this, but I believe whenever Luka's on the floor and in half court offense, they have like the number one half court offense in NBA history. Uh, wow. Yeah, and the guy is twenty three years old. So, yeah. no,
0: yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that stat thrown out there, but I mean, if that's true, that's. I true.
1: I, I think it was. I know Cato threw something out there like it. It may have been uh, either this season or, but I believe it was like over a decade or. um I feel a little weird saying the history, uh, but yeah, I think it was like over the last decade or something like that.
0: Yeah, no, that that's that's insane. Um, next up, you know, we've talked obviously about Luca and the MVP discussion, the Mavericks' start ball handler situation, this team's identity. Um, you know, let's keep this one a, a little more brief. But if if we're speaking comparatively, uh, this team versus last year's team, uh, what are some of the common denominators that be like? Oh, like. The Mavericks have some of these good characteristics from last year. I, I think that uh, this could carry over come playoff time. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And uh, obviously, like, what are the fallouts? The, what does this team not have that they had last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, so there, there's definitely some similarities between this year's and last year's team. Uh, and there's definitely some vast uh, dissimilarities. Dissim- uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to uh, this year's and last year's team. Um, I guess I'll start out with the negatives. Uh, I mean, last year's team clearly had a way better defense. Uh, they were somehow ranked inside the top 10, one of the better defenses in the league. Meanwhile, this defense granted, you know, they've had their mishaps on injuries and all that uh, being that their top three defenders are out. Uh, I mean, this team isn't even a top 25 defensive team in the NBA. Um, also, you know, Jalen Brunson that's the underlying factor. I think we can just leave it at that. The third, third ball handler. Uh, situation has definitely not been as much of a uh, esteemed role as it was last year. And I think that's, you know, simply putting it, but nonetheless, you know, I think last year it was just a different kind of, you know, cog to the team. You know, whenever we played the Boston Celtics, uh, the Grizzlies, all these good teams, the Warriors last year, uh, it was, it was easily, you know, it it was fun to watch. Meanwhile, this season, you know, we saw in this Clippers game uh, just this night um, and the Boston game last week, where, you know, the Mavericks are just simply out, man, time and time again, because they just cannot compete with these, you know, contending teams, uh, whether it be in the East or West. And I think that's, you know, seriously, like, the biggest difference. Now, similarities, uh, I think that this team, you know, they they have the, I guess, same sort of potent offense, uh, whether it be, you know, just strictly with Luka or, uh, you know, the pick and roll offense. In this case, you know, it's with Christian Wood. You know, last, last year it was with Dwight Powell. Uh but nonetheless, I you know, I just don't think there's very many uh similarities that are as contracting as the uh I guess negatives, you know, put aside from year to year. But with that being said, you know, I think that this team is in, you can argue, a better position than they were at this point of the season last year. Uh I don't know exactly 41 games in whenever we were, but I do know that we were like 17 and 19 at one point last year. And meanwhile, we're sitting at 23, 19. So I just think, you know, if you take those two looks you'll say okay well this team's better but the it, I, I mean last year simply put it they were able to compete against the Boston Celtics the Warriors and everything like that this year I mean it's just not even a game at some points
0: yeah but uh, you know of course like obviously the Mavericks had their insane midseason turnaround last year yeah that definitely added to the whole um you know that that definitely um adds a lot of color to our conversation In terms of analyzing this team, you know, last year versus now, and, you know, how good this team was at this point last year versus now, could the Mavericks still go under, you know, still undergo that same drastic change um, and become all of a sudden this contender, you know, within a matter of a month or two? I mean, theoretically, they could. Could the defense just, you know, flip on its head completely? Um, I, I think that there's, credence to the fact that that could happen but I do want to preface that the one uh denominator that was not there last year that um you know was something that kind of aided to the Mavericks getting off to that rough start um really two things uh, a lot of it first was Luca not being um, yeah. really prevalent in the rotation amidst having kind of a slew of uh, beginning of the season injuries to deal with and some COVID stuff, you know, a lot of the Mavericks role players were out with some COVID stuff and that, you know, when that second surge hit that around Christmas time, that, uh that definitely uh, worked to uh, kind of backtrack the Mavericks and the trajectory of how good the team was at the time and things of that nature, as well as Luca, um, you know, coming in from, you uh, That, you know, that offseason, he obviously was not in the absolute um, pinnacle of his shape, having just come off an Olympics run with Slovenia in Beijing. And, you know, so there's a a few different factors as to why um, that team got off to a slow of a start as it did. And, you know, for this Mavericks team to kind of, you know, being slightly above treading water in terms of the record, I think definitely treading water just in terms of how good they are um, from a talent perspective. Yet Luca has basically led the MVP conversation, as we just alluded to. That I think is the biggest stark difference from last year's team to this year's team. No, in, I mean, in sure. my humble opinion, uh, but I think all the points you brought up were great in, in terms of um, how you talked about the interrelatedness um, that, that we did have last year, uh, you know, regarding the offense and everything. Like, yes, the Mavericks still have a fairly hyper efficient offense when it's humming. And when Luca is um performing at the you know p- pinnacle of his game, uh is is it different than last year? Yes. Uh vastly different, of course, with the whole Christian Wooden, Jalen Brunson dynamic, you know, those obviously changing, you know, your offensive play style up marginally and what have you. But at the end of the day, you know, the common denominator of love Luca still persists and he's led, he's been the engine behind a dominant offense. Uh two years in a row now, and they're, they're still a really good do- offense. You know, we we maintain a lot of the defensive personnel that we had last year. It's not like we really lost any of it. Um, I, I guess I don't want to harp on this too much, but what do you think is the reason that the Mavericks defense
1: may have felt, uh, fell off some? I mean, you know, to be honest, I think the, the only reason why they were even a top five defense last year was uh, – guys were able to fill in roles and buy in. And I just don't think that's the case this year. Uh, I just think there's too much individuality whenever it comes to defense. Uh, I mean, you know, there's definitely a lack of rim protecting and everything, you know, teams are able to attack the paint as they were last year in the playoffs. Um, And also, I mean, uh, injuries aside, I mean, this just team isn't even just equipped to, you know, defend the the western conference just in general i think the western conference you know they've gotten a lot healthier uh compared comparedly to last season uh you know you have clippers you have the warriors you have everything every team basically has you know a set of rules that they'll play against the mavericks uh while they couldn't do that last year due to injuries and i just think that's honestly a big difference but um yeah you know i just think uh definitely you know submitting uh guys in the rotation, so many guys out of the rotation, you know, Reggie Bullock, he hasn't been amazing as he was last year. Uh, Dorian, you know, he's gone off to a slow start as well. I just think, you know, those definitely equip, uh, equ, uh, they are, um, I'm losing track of words here. Uh, they they definitely, you know. 3.30
0: a.m. for those of you. Guys yeah, no, that's that's
1: exactly this. why. Um, those are definitely, you know, the reasons why uh, this team just defensively isn't the same as they were last year.
0: No, I I think I would definitely um, concur from that standpoint. I think that this team, you know, while they do maintain a lot of the personnel that they had last year, I I just think a lot of the principles don't carry over. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you get a new head coach who brings in a new defensive scheme for the first time um, to, to like a new place, of course, with all this personnel, you know, it's not something that anybody really has lined up on their scouting report. I think that they were able to, get they were able to be the benefactors of that quite a bit last year just you know and just in terms of how sync their team defense was like you alluded to you know you talked a little bit about how some like the individual defensive performance from guys like Dorian or Reggie fell off a little bit and that's part of it as well um, but you know having to incorporate some new pieces like Christian Wood and JaVale McGee get them to learn the defensive scheme and you know just shifting guys in and out in terms of where their place is in the rotation Um, That's obviously going to lead to um, your defense uh, in terms of its hyper efficiency last year uh, being rattled a little bit when you're changing up the, you know, who all is getting um, the exact, uh, you know, certain minutes and certain roles, things of that nature. It's definitely going to change up the schematics a little bit of your defense. And, you know, I'm sure the teams have a little more tape on the Mavericks defense now after Jason Kidd's first year's head coach is under his belt here. So, I mean, I think that those are all pretty good reasons as to why the defense is not flourishing as much as it could last year. I think, you know, order of operations number one to fix that issue is, you know, try to get better personnel. Yeah. Um, but also maybe, you know, now that we've seen times where things are starting to turn around, you know, obviously the Mavericks recent slide, you know, you can attribute, I don't know if they're 25th, best or even less than that in the league. I think
1: they're like 26th as of
0: right now, so. Yeah, cuz I mean they they were they were quite a bit higher you know, at the beginning of the year when they had all their personnel. So, I don't think they're that bad, but you know, upon their personnel getting back, they they still there's still another step that they'll have to take defensively even when those guys get back. And when those guys get back, uh how much is that going to be able to help the current rendition of this defense like, you know, how much can they progress internally uh, without adding anybody that that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I would definitely reconcile kind of what you said there. Um, So, you know, kind of just to go off that, what do you think is the most pressing need for this team right now? I, you know, you don't really have to speak positionally like, Oh, a point guard, but you know, like what type of player does this Mavericks need more than anything right now in your opinion?
1: Yeah. I mean, more than anything, especially with uh, what kind of injuries have toppled over onto this team. You asked me this question a month and a half ago. I probably would have said a third ball handler. But at this point, we have Jaden Hardy, and I think he's like the most stable guy out of all the three signings that we've made or all two signings that we've made at that position. Um, But for me personally, I think the biggest need has to be a rim protector. It's just simple as that Uh, with JaVale McGee, you know, with his uh, lack of emergence on this roster, it's sort of become a more uh, a bigger need than it should be. Uh, especially with the injury due to uh, Maxi Kleba, who's basically looked at as our own rim protector. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that's probably the biggest need. I think if we can fill in that role, that'll definitely take a huge toll uh, in upping this team's productiveness on defense. But I mean, to me, that's probably the most important uh, like piece to fill.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, um, I think it really, for all Mass fans, I think the three needs that you would probably diagnose on this team are a third ball handler or uh not not even necessarily having to be a a guard, like it could be a wing that's a third ball handler, but yeah, a third ball handler, um, a three and D wing with an aspect that isn't just completely one dimensional, uh particularly like a younger guy at that position, and then probably a rib protector. And I mean, for me personally, you know, I, I would be um I guess sort of uh, optimistic and altruistic in, in my hopes for a guy that kind of encompasses those first two categories. I Like that is the most idealistic uh, patch for this Mavericks team. If they could get, you know, a three and D player who also offers a creation aspect to him and a, a playmaking. Um, and he has, you know, the playmaking attributes that uh, carry him to, you know, honestly like come in here and, you know, be one of the better 3D wings on the team as well as a guy that can help alleviate pressure from Luca and Spencer. And like, I mean, you know, if he, if he's of that elk, um, you know, the unfortunate part is that he's probably an all-star, right. And he's probably yep. like that upper echelon of players or is obviously not like a ton of those guys in the league. Um, But a guy that could, I, I think my, my idealistic, um, guy that I would hope the Mavericks to get would be a mix between a three and D um, wing of course. And, you know, just a, um, that third ball handler, you know, playmaker shot grid or whatever you want to label it. I'm not saying that he's going to be the cure all for either of those holes, but if he could give me a little bit of both, I think that that would serve this team the best. Cause I don't know if they can get multiple guys to patch all these holes. I just don't know if they're going to have that luxury um but that's that's not to say that i don't think rim protector is important or anything like that i just think the mavericks can get by for a while with christian wood but i definitely think that that does have a shelf life and you know i if we're just talking about if we're ranking all those positions separately and i don't have like the ability to like you know make that little like hybrid spot then i honestly would probably put a rim protector number one I'd i'd have both of those ones
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think if you just look at the playoff run last year, you know, they, of course, had the 3D aspects pretty filled up. Uh, Definitely could have used another one. But the third ball handler role was definitely filled. uh, The one hole was a a rim protector. And, you know, we saw what happened to them in the Western Conference Finals. and Kavon Looney basically putting whatever he chose to do on the Mavericks. And I just think that, you know, granted, if we got, uh, you know, that 3D hybrid sort of ball handler guy, Uh, that would still be the same need that this team needs.
0: No, 100%. That's a great point you put up there. I mean, and that's why, like, if we're talking, like, individually, I would definitely um, probably go with the rim protector. It's just, you know, the whole Brunson left. It's just – it definitely – it catches up to me at points, you know, when I'm (laughs) analyzing this team big picture. So, you know, with that being said, we kind of diagnosed the specific – need that this team would have in terms of like what we thought uh, a specific player that we'd like them to get uh, just in terms of, well, not like a specific player, but style player rather. Um, What do you think are the most expendable players on this team or who are the most expendable players on this team right now out of like, you know, the current guys in the rotation, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not talking like, Oh, like Frank Nitwakina you know, he could be a throw in on the trade in a trade or, you know, if you, uh, had to put in theo pinson in a trade like you know i'm not talking about like just the the flat-out worst guys on the roster but who yeah who who you know is the most expendable on the team like needs to leave um just isn't fulfilling their roles like you'd like to things of that nature
1: yeah so i mean i'm gonna rank these guys like top to bottom i guess there's three guys on this list um i guess number one who has to go is probably davis pertans i mean You know we're paying him what I think it's like sixteen point two million to shoot and make three pointers, and he's doing one half of those. He's shooting the three pointers, he's just not making them at an insane clip. I think especially with that egregious contract, you just have to see him on a different roster. Money reasons why, money reasons alone. Uh, Next coming up, I think is Reggie Bullock. Uh, Again, I mean, you know, I, I love Reggie, and all, but you know the defense just isn't hitting at enough clip to where it's offsetting his horrible offense. I know he's sort of like flattened out in terms of his shooting, but even still, it's just not an amazing clip that helps this team whatsoever. And then third, I think comes Tim Hardaway Jr. He's played insane this season. I think he's shooting the three ball at the volume that he's shooting at. I think he's like shooting 36%, which is just an insane clip. Uh, but nonetheless, I just think if the Mavericks are wanting a different identity for Luka and the Luka era, they have to go away from Tim. You know, I said this uh, a while ago on the podcast or uh, a minute ago on the podcast. But even still, I just think Tim is probably your best asset to trade um, outside of Chris Wood, outside of Spencer Dinwiddie. And I I just think that those are probably the three guys that are probably the most expendable and most flexible. Um, And two of the three are definitely super, uh, what do you call it, like D minus negative assets in that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that you bring up a good point there because I mean, like, I, I kind of missed the mark exactly in like what you were saying at the beginning of the podcast You know, when you were talking about Tim uh, being this sort of like basically like, you know, the transition from the next era of Mavericks basketball to the to the next one, whenever we, you know, we end up trading him and acquiring somebody else. But I mean, to an extent, it does make sense, like um, between the guys that are like definitively tradable. And I I mean, I'm sure like I'm not, you know, if the Mavericks got the right phone call for Christian Wood or whoever yeah. you know they're not going to turn a blind eye to it i'm I like you know there's obviously some things we'll get into with, with that later but you know if uh if we're talking about the guys that you know have purely you know just from a fit standpoint or have just underperformed to their their contract you know I, i'm gonna go a step further i actually have five guys here oh wow i'm going to uh be well I, I i just
1: i refuse to put your veil in there so
0: you're oh, okay okay <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, I mean Javale, he he has somewhat of a role in this team, so I, I I think I think that his uh, inclusion was needed just in terms of, yeah, I think how dire the or you know, the the sort of urge to get him off the team might be at this point now that his contract has turned from, oh, it's a little bit of an overpay to that's you know completely horrendous, right? <laughs> um but you know i I think i would definitely reciprocate that davis is like the like everything you said about davis i reciprocate 100 percent um definitely about reggie as well i would definitely have those guys as my first two and you know in terms of leaders of the clubhouse that i would like to um you know have my parting thoughts with um but and by no means am i saying like i like hate these guys or don't like them or like, want them off the team immediately. But if I'm if I'm getting something decent return, like, these are the guys that I'd be moving first. Next up, I would probably go JaVale. Yeah, um, The only reason I don't put JaVale ahead of those other two guys is because of his contract not being, you know, too much of a hit on the Mavericks at that, you know, $5 million mark. I mean, yes, it's egregious. It's an egregious overpay for him. But at the end of the day, it's not, like, a ton of money. So it's, like, you know, kind of just – swallow the pill on that one
1: yeah
0: yeah uh next i'd probably i'd probably if i had to choose oh uh, man Thinking I, I think i think i'd probably go um uh, i think i'd probably go dwight powell um uh, because i think he probably is the second most between these guys he's probably the second most tradable guy between him and tim i think the way tim sort of researched himself and some of the you know, we've actually seen Tim come up in a few rumors for other teams. Uh, um, most recently, the Cleveland Cavaliers. But there's a big discussion on Twitter regarding yeah. him and Carousel yeah. yeah. that yeah. lots of fans are very much into. I, I, that was, you know, I, I tend to get myself into most of those. I don't know for what reason. I just, I just uh, seemed like the, the perfect storm of like me not wanting to involve myself in as, you know, they're, they're two very like narrow, limited players, but they're very good at what they do and it's just like I I, maybe another day um I'll 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 get my thoughts on that on Twitter at some point but I I just haven't really formulated my thoughts on it yet so I don't really have like the answer there quite yet um but I would probably put Dwight Powell because his role has obviously become increasingly redundant with Christian Woods emergence yeah um and you know he is a pretty tradable figure at like 10 to 11 million but he's like not terrible like I don't hate him or anything so uh, you know, that's why i probably put him, And then Tim, you know, as much as I, we obviously shit on Tim for his defensive limitations and some of his other antics, you know, he has a relatively tradable contract after at the beginning of the year, we thought he was just complete albatross. And I mean, he's flipped the narrative on himself you know, pretty substantially. I yeah. guess uh, he still has his, you know, clunker two for 12 games, but I mean, more often than not, he follows that up with a really good shooting game and He's it's the Tim Hardaway of 2019-20. Um back in the flesh or 2020, 2021, whatever you want to call it. And um it's a site for sore eyes. And I mean, he actually does hold value and might be able to get us something. Does. So that's why I would probably put him on um last on the totem pole in terms of most expendable. Uh so you know, if I had to rank it, it would probably go Davis, Reggie, uh Javale, Dwight, and then Tim, uh, between those five. And then outside of that. Um, I wouldn't say everybody else is like an overtly like positive asset, but they're at least neutral to positive. So, um, yeah, I mean, like that's probably where I would rank it. Um, I mean, I think that that's like a great transition point into the next topic. Um, Do you think this team actually does make a move come trade deadline time? Do you think they end up staying pat? Um, If, you know, obviously I'm not asking you to go too in depth here. into like the Mavericks, uh, the, uh, you know, the leaders of the Mavericks front office, their antics and what have you, um, what they've done in years prior. But if you just had to predict based on the needs of this team, do you make? Do you think the Mavericks make a move this offseason or at the trade deadline? And if they do, how substantial will it be?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, going into this, uh, this is kind of a tough answer with what assets the Mavs are given. Uh, nonetheless, I do think that there's probably a, made, or a move made uh, at the trade deadline. But even still, you know, I don't think it's the Mavericks calling the phone. I think it's the Mavericks picking up the phone. Uh, we've seen, you know, recent Cleveland Cavalier trade rumors uh, between them and Tim Hardaway and all that nonsense. And I probably think that's more of a scenario that we'll probably be seeing is, you know, uh, a team wanting a player, and that'll be more, more than likely Tim Hardaway. Uh, I just don't think the Mavericks have the assets to sort of trade uh, or sort of pick, like call teams and trade for a guy, unless if it's, you know, some negative asset. Uh, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. But I think those are probably the more real scenarios that we'll see. Um, now, nonetheless, you know, how sub or how how I guess major will the shakeup be? Uh, you know, I honestly don't really think it'll be too major. I think we'll probably see it early on uh, with just a, you know, sort of change in the philosophy and everything like that uh, with this team. But I, you know, I don't think it's a major change that's going to be like Totally needle changing in either way, negative or positive. uh I think it'll probably be, be negative for negative asset. You know, something that doesn't change too much. And you know, come playoff time, we'll even we'll see if they're even in the rotation. um But yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll probably see one trade. I just don't think the Mavericks will probably be calling uh other teams. I think it'll be them picking up the phone.
0: No, yeah, I mean that's that's fair enough. uh You know, I, I kind of I, you know, I, I guess we technically put. Him in like our negative asset section, but you know, is he changing the conversation around him to become a positive asset what yeah. what, what do you think I mean yeah, so uh, if we're treating Tim as a positive asset, I think that changes things, right for sure, I think that I don't think that he's like some wildly like, oh, he's for sure a positive asset, but I mean, if we're like at least putting him in like that neutral range, like you know, maybe you're not gonna get more than you. Maybe you're not going to get like more than he's worth, uh, like if you trade him, but you'll at least get something equally as good in return that just may be a different piece. If we're operating under that assumption, and Tim is like, if he can, Tim continues this till the trade deadline, I think the Mavericks can make two moves. But okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I think that they will find a way to unload. I don't, I don't see any way in hell that they can get off all three of them. But I think that they'll find a way to do some sort of negative asset for negative asset swap with one of Berton's McGee um, and Reggie. I think that they'll find a way to shuffle the deck and just get some different pieces in there for one of those guys, you know, consolidate some seconds. I don't know exactly what the specifications of the trade would be. If they could get off two of the two out of three of those guys, that'd be even better. Um, and you know, in turn, either get re- expirings or just some younger guys that could um, maybe that kind of miss the mark in terms of their development and are just looking for a, a new home or something like that. Nothing that I think would move the needle between those guys whatsoever. But if there's any way that they could combine any of those guys or just get off one of those, particularly Davis, obviously the main one. I I think that Nico's going to pull some strings to get get a you know get off one of them. That's my yeah, prediction. He gets off one of them. And then in tandem with that, I think they make a Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. I think they finally part ways with him that, you know, I think would benefit the team just from a fit aspect of whoever they're getting in return likely. Um, You know, I think that the what the Mavericks may do at the trade deadline may make them slightly and marginally better, but nothing that moves them into contention.
1: That's what oh, I, I, I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, they become more of a playoff team. if. Yeah, anything. I, I don't think that they do
0: anything that involves giving up Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, or any of their picks or Spencer Dinwiddie, or, yeah. you know, for that matter, if we're just going to go even a step further, like, you know, I, there's a, you know, there's, there's a slight possibility that Christian Wood gets moved. Yeah. Um, But I, I think the, the perfect storm would definitely have to present itself and the perfect package would, have to come about for the Mavericks to pick up the phone there. I don't I don't think that they're picking up the phone for I don't think they're like actively shopping I'd be surprised if they're actively shopping Christian wood. Uh,
1: so you know regarding Christian wood, I know that we kind of get into this, so I guess we'll kind of divert into it. Um I mean of course there's three ways that this can go in season uh extension trade or uh out of season extension. I just think regarding the trade talk wise um yeah, I mean, it has to be the right package to even consider it. I just think he's playing too well alongside Luca this season to even, you know, kind of actively shop him, as you say. Um, but, you know, even still, I, I do see a scenario where, uh, given the right personnel, they could probably um, raise some eyebrows to it, and, you know, we could see him on a different team. But uh, even still, you know, I, I just think that he's probably a lock at this point. I don't want to say he's, like, a lock lock, but – um I definitely do think his 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 home in Dallas is probably pretty safe right now.
0: Yes, I, I think that I would uh concur with that at least for maybe the rest of the season. My yeah, you know I I definitely have some differing opinions in terms of I th- I do think the Mavericks shouldn't in- extend him at that figure or at least offer it if they haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's malpractice because I mean as soon as the cap spikes, uh, four four years seventy seven million is just too good of a deal for him in my opinion. I, I don't yeah. think that they should. Play the waiting game and, you know, basically involve themselves in another potential Brunson situation. Unless there's communication at the forefront beforehand, they're like, hey, like, we think you're more for than this. We're going to sign you for more in the offseason. I just don't think they can uh, afford to lose him for nothing. If they have a preconceived notion that they're going to lose him for nothing and they end up trading him, then because, you know, Cubans too stingy to pay the luxury tax, like, You know, it's one of those things that, yes, it'll suck at the end of the day and we'll probably be regretful and we'll probably be mad that they couldn't bite the apple and just re-sign him or give him the extension and they had to be stingy. But at least they didn't lose him for nothing like Brunson.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So it's a real delicate situation, but, you know, if, if I had to pick a side, I hope he stays. I'm definitely, I've voiced this on the podcast many times. I'm definitely more in the wood camp than I am not, but it's a delicate situation to monitor. And I, I, I would hope that they could extend him um, before that July 1st deadline, but we'll see. Uh, Cause I mean, to my knowledge, I mean, to, or I guess to really everybody's to, uh, I, nobody knows if they've offered the extension or not, but it doesn't seem like they have. So yeah,
1: no, I, I, I don't. obviously
0: Tim McMahon has reported that they're more keen to, only extending him two years so they can keep the powder dry and maintain flexibility in 2025 free agency, which is malpractice in itself because I don't even want to begin to go over the whole history of planned powder and all that sort of shit. But I don't know. I, I hope, I just hope they don't screw it up, but I'm very fearful that they do. That's something we'll definitely monitor if he's not extended by the off season, we're going to monitor even more so, but as of right now, my personal thoughts and what I would hope that they would do would be to extend him at that four for 77 figure. Um, but I do think that there's screens to the fact that that might not be what they do. I think they might be holding out to the off season to see what he's worth. That is what I would predict is what they were going to do.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that boat. Um, you know, I just think he's too good to let walk if we let him walk, you know, that's, I think that fits the narrative of malpractice in itself. Yeah. Um, you know you can at least get some sort of value for this guy
0: no yeah like 100 mm-hmm. percent. and um next up you know before we go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up we're just going to go ahead and get into some predictions uh for the end of the year in terms of what we think the mavericks record will be when they finish at the end of the year where we thought they would be right now in terms of the record and we'll give a brief debrief on uh, every player up until this point in the season now we if we think they've over or underperformed so uh, yeah um Let's go ahead and uh, segue into uh, that conversation. Jaron. where do you think the Mavericks, um, or where did you think coming into this season, the Mavericks would be record-wise at the halfway marker of the season?
1: Yeah, so through 41 games, I mean, what, 23 and 18 sitting at? Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I think this is kind of what I thought they'd be. I figured they'd get off to maybe a little bit of a slower start with just the, the different lineups uh, that you know they didn't have last year. Um, so I think, you know, midseason wise, I think they did a little bit over 500, but they're sitting at five games over 500. Um, I guess four after this 42nd game with the Clippers. But, you know, towards the end of the season, um, you know, me personally, I projected them, uh, I feel like at that like 48 win mark. And I would say, you know, they're online to do so. Um, but I would still, you know, defer to probably that 45 to 47 range personally. Um, I think that there's a very small window of opportunity that they can probably get 50, but that's like, if everything hits what the trade market. Um, But nonetheless, I, you know, I think that they probably at the end of the season probably will go 46 and 36, I think is what it would be. Um, Or so I I think it's right there. Um, But I think that's probably where they'd be at.
0: Yeah. For me personally, like I definitely predicted that they would be in this sort of range um, halfway through the season like 23 and 18, um, technically 23 and 19 after the Clippers game. but I, I definitely seem like felt like they would be like in that echelon like record wise. Um, but I, I guess I just didn't foresee as rocky of a path to get there. Yeah, I didn't I, I feel like they would be a better team if they were this good. So that definitely leads me to have some skepticism uh, going forward. Um, just in terms of how they're going to fare towards the end of the season but at the same time I like don't know what this team is until you know if if trade deadline plays out you know if they do if they're able to make any moves regarding that if they're able to actually build somewhat of an identity when they get some of these guys back from injury so I'm just going to play it on the safe side and I'm going to say by the end of the season they're going to be 44 and 38 but that's at the like the absolute bottom end of things that's just like you know if they you know honestly kind of just tread water from where they're at right now and don't even yeah. really marginally improve I um, mean you know, obviously you never know things could end up being worse things could be better but I, I think I reciprocate that the absolute high end if everything was to go right they could get in that 50 range I mean if everything was just to fall off completely I, I could see them being under 500
1: Really. I, yeah. See, I just don't see any scenario where – unless if Luca gets hurt, I just don't really see any scenario.
0: No, I mean, like, I mean, if they – I mean, I, I just look at the, the volume of their wins and I, I just still see, like, a ton of flaws with this game. They've had a weaker strength of schedule up until this point in the season. I mean, I, I think at the absolute worst-case scenario, like, I mean, you, you, they're not, like, terribly far off from where I know. I think if everything were to hit the fan, I could, you know, another injury or two. Like, I could see them being 500.
1: I, I could, I could see them being 500. what I
0: meant like under 500, I meant like by a game or two. I wasn't talking about like, well, I know, throwing, I know, I know, you know, games under 500, but man, I could see it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think as far as playoff seating goes, I, I definitely, I think, you know, they've, especially after that seven game win streak, how, however flawed it was, uh, I think that they probably upped themselves into a playoff echelon whereas I don't think they were at that point earlier. Um, you so think I that they're, wouldn't. like,
0: totally um, – I think they're
1: a playoff lock. I, I think that – no, wow. they're not a top three seed. There's a small chance they can reach a three seed, but I think that they're a six- to four-seed lock, in my in my opinion.
0: I mean, with just how with Volatile, the West is right now. I am not comfortable, personally, putting them past the play in. Like, I, they could very well still end up there, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I definitely obviously think it helps – um, they're definitely like, I mean, at least you said that you, that you feel like they're probably not a lot for home court. I think they likely end up somewhere in the five to eight range um, in terms of what will happen. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would probably guess like six or seven, but um, you know, I preface that saying that they could probably go as late. I mean, they could, the the absolute worst-case scenario, I could see this team ended, ending up in, like, the bottom half of the play in, like, the ninth seed or something like that. Like, I, it's not, like, really far-fetched with how condensed the West is. No, I mean,
1: um, you know, I think there would be an amazing team. You and know, then, like, like,
0: the absolute high end, like, if they just really hit their stride and the – um you know, like – if they hit their stride and they were able to make a trade that benefited them more so than we – lot like a Dinwiddie S trade from last year I could see them getting a size three but that's like you know those are the extremes of both ends in terms of where I could see them going
1: that, yeah I, I completely agree I think you know the the very least that they can go in my opinion is probably that seven to eight seed I know you said nine I just don't see that happening but I think if everything hits and you know the season goes well and Luka doesn't get hurt and everybody starts playing amazing Reggie Bullock starts you know hitting his stride whatever uh three seed I think is probably the top
0: yeah, uh, I think that's pretty fair. Um, next up, we're just going to go and do some, like, play reviews. Uh, I'm not going to go, like, wildly in-depth in depth into any of these, of course, but just before we end the podcast, uh, we want to kind of hash these out in terms of, you know, saying if a guy's underperformed, if you've been pleasantly surprised by a guy or he's kind of, like, you know, been relatively around what your expectations for him were at the beginning of the season. And, you know, obviously, you know, give a brief reasoning as to why you picked – Uh, What you picked, you know, you don't have to really. We talked goingly about Luca already in his MVP conversation, so you can kind of just tell me what you've thought about him when we get to him, of course. Um, But barring that, everybody else is um, open up for discussion in terms of what you think their uh, their standing is on the team right now and if they've over or underperformed. Um, So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, I guess let's just start off with Luca uh do you has he exceeded or is he uh under achieved in terms of your expectations for him
1: going into this year yeah you know, i think he's really under exceeded no, i'm just playing uh that's a joke uh he's definitely over exceeded he's sitting an a plus i mean there's no discussion there he's the team at times
0: yeah no like 100 percent. even if i did expect him to play him like be at an mvp level i
1: mean he's he's at another he, he's way point. exceeded my expectation of what an mvp could be so
0: yes exactly what is a uh, has Davis Bertons is he overachieved or is he underachieved for you, Jared?
1: Uh I mean, you know, I hate to hate to say it, but uh if we're putting a grade on it, I would probably say like a D minus. He's definitely underachieved. Um he's somehow found a lesser role. Uh and that's in all well.
0: fairness, while his contract was still an albatross and while he was still seen as like a negative asset just because of how much he was getting paid. He did have some, like, decent contributions, especially during the playoff run last year, and he was hitting oh, playoff in the run, runs, yeah. And he was running out in transition. I mean, yes, he played bad defense, but occasionally he at least had some decent recoveries. Like, this year he just can't do anything on offense. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just nothing. So, I would definitely agree. Uh, let's go on to Reggie Bullock. Has he over or underachieved for you this year, Jared?
1: Definitely under, um, you know, grade-wise as well. I'm just going to be putting out a grade on everybody. Uh, I'd probably put him at a C minus. I think, you know, a little hopes is still glimpsing of uh, could we get Reggie Reggie Bullock of old back, Um, but nonetheless, I just think you know
0: everything that he's he's done this.
1: Yeah, I was like everything that he's done this season and how much he's regressed. I just you know he he's definitely underwhelmingly uh, become a part of that negative aspect of the team.
0: I would definitely agree. Um, Next up, we got. Spencer Dinwiddie has he over underachieved stayed the same what is what were your expectations going for him into the season how has he fared so far
1: yeah I mean this one's I'm gonna be honest this is kind of a hard one but I'm gonna put Spencer at a b plus I think that he's done everything he's been able to do uh given the role that he's been given uh I mean he shot the three ball at an insane like 40 or 44 percent clip or something like that and it definitely fell off since then I can check what it's well like. he yeah he's falling off the past few weeks that I think that's where, you know, the grade drops, but uh, nonetheless, I think that he's done a pretty good job of, you know, running the second unit when given and, you know, when alongside Luca, he does make his three point shots. Uh, I think that's really all that you can ask of him uh, right now. I think if we were given the opportunity to get a third ball handler or given uh, a second star along Luca, whatever it would be, I think he would probably fall into his role that he had last year and that would better suit him than it does now. I would agree. I think he stepped
0: up to an extent um, versus yeah, what he had last year. I was skeptical about his position on this team last year um, just from the stand or going into the season rather after, you know, he had, you know, really up and down playoffs. Like he had some really good games, and some really bad games. And I was very skeptical, skeptical as to how the shooting would carry over. So I'm going to take the slide over uh, on this one as well, because the shooting has definitely came into fruition more so than I could have ever imagined. Uh, Even though he has fallen off a little bit, like it's still been solid and he's been operating in the mid-range well, but I will say like there still feels like he's not being as assertive in recent weeks and being able to get to the rim as I would have hoped and that he was doing at the very beginning of the season. So that's why I only take the slide over or else I would definitely take like a larger over, but I think in totality, he definitely has exceeded my expectations if I have to swing one way or another. Um, what do you think about Dorian Finney-Smith, Jaron? Is he underachieved or overachieved for your standards this year?
1: I just don't think we've seen enough of him to really like grade his you know whole aspect of the season. Um, I would probably go along the lines of saying he's under uh, exceeded just because of you know what we have seen from him it hasn't been all too great. Needless to say, it did pick up before his injury, um, but even still, I just don't think it really fit the narrative of him like improving as much as we thought he would heading into the season. Um, grade wise, I'd probably give him like a C or C plus. I just don't think we've seen enough. Of course, uh, I think he'll be better come, you know, this injury, but, uh, I mean, bottom line, I just don't think we've seen enough of him.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that that's pretty fair at the same time. Like, I also don't know how much like marginal improvements there was for him to make. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's really kind of at the pinnacle of his, the prime of his career. He's 29 right now. Um, you know, probably playing his best basketball as he ever will. I, you know, like I said, I also definitely reciprocate that. I just don't think there's been a big enough sample size for me to really effectively grade him. So I would probably just say that he's performed up to standard like around what I thought he was going to be. Mm. Um, but definitely like taking that into consideration that he just hasn't got enough like games and a sample size to really um, like show me that, that, uh, narrative should be skewed one way or the other because like the beginning the very beginning of the season the defense and the three-point shooting had like a really kind of it had a rough little like week or two but then he had like a really good week for another week or two then fell off for another time so it's been like really just kind of up and down so yeah, yeah i was excited to see him to get back and we'll see how the consistency is but if i guess i had to grade it in its totality i guess i'd say just kind of stayed the same uh I think that this is probably the most obvious one of the day, maybe outside of Luca. But has Josh Green over or under uh, achieved on your expectations?
1: Who are the mountains? I uh, I mean, this guy is like uh, exceeded. I think he's probably in the runnings for most improved player of the year if he didn't have that big injury that took him out for a few weeks. But um, I mean, this guy deserves probably uh, an A. You know, I just don't the 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 improvements that he's made on his game have just been too big to not notice. And, uh, that alone, I think just puts him in an echelon of over-exceeding, mean like he's, he's improved marginally in every
0: single facet of his game. Uh, I I would push back on the whole most improved thing, not because I don't think he's worthy (laughs) of it because, uh, national media tends to gravitate those guys who went from the
1: the
0: six man or the starter level players to like all-star players. They tend to, you know, look at those sort of jumps versus like, oh, I'm a decent role player to a starter level role player. They're they're usually less keen on giving uh, most improved, but like in terms of if he should be in that contention, like he should be, you know, if, if he if he hadn't missed it all these games, then I think he got be a guy that's in that conversation. So I mean, yeah, like there's without a doubt that I would reciprocate what you said. What do you think about Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is he over or underachieved your expectations this year?
1: I'm going to say, I don't know how what you think about this, but I think that he's probably over exceeded my expectation. I think coming into the season, I didn't really expect him to uh, shoot the ball at this clip that he has been. I mean, it was definitely a rocky start. Uh, at times I would probably pick Tyler Dorsey over him, but needless to say, he's come into his own. Um, I mean, he's played pretty good basketball outside of, like his few stinkers he has few every now and then. But um, I think he's definitely leveled out and he's become uh, – unfortunately or fortunately however you look at it he's become a, a pivotal piece on this offense
0: yeah I, I think I would have to uh, concur I'd probably take the slide over if anything uh, I wouldn't say that he's completely stagnated out in terms of what my expectations were for him or he, he's like you know in that sort of tier of yeah like this is about what I expected of him yeah but at the same time I, I don't think that if you couple his performance in terms of how he's playing right now with how bad his start to the season was, I definitely wouldn't like say it's like by some insane margin that I'm saying that he's exceeded my expectations. It's a pretty slim margin. Uh, but I mean, I think in summation that he probably has Um, just in terms of, yes, like he'll have a bad game every now and then, and I get the shootings volatile, but you know, he's kind of slowly, uh, remediating those bad games with the good games, uh, pretty, uh, pretty steadily here. So, you know, I coming off his injury, I really don't know where my expectations were for, were for him coming into the season, but, um, I, I, I don't think they were insanely high, just maybe to be not a, a liability in terms of the shots he's taking and to, yeah. to, to play steady. Um, uh, and you know, while amidst him not doing that the first few weeks of the season, he's definitely righted the ship. So I would, I'd probably agree. Um, where, where are your uh, thoughts for Jaden Hardy in terms of if he's over or under exceeded so far this year?
1: Uh, I mean, I would say he's over. I just don't even think that we really even wrote him a chance to get him a, a, a pivotal role on this team. As a start of the season, it was more so like a treat if we got to see him. And I think we've got to see him in enough minutes to call him a luxury. Uh and honestly, that's where I would stick it. I wouldn't put him like overly over, but I think you know, marginally over uh is probably where I would stick him at.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he hasn't done enough for me to be like, oh, he's just he's at I mean, he's had a few good games for sure that definitely got us excited, but he hasn't done anything to like put my expectations for him over the roof or anything like that. But you know, he's like you alluded to, like we didn't know what his role was even going to be at this season, at yeah. this point in the season, if he'd even be playing. So I would definitely say over from that standpoint. Um, has
1: Maxi Kleber over or under exceeded your expectations this year? Uh, I, you know, this one's tough. I This is probably like one of the most middle line guys. I just, you know, his three point shooting hasn't been there majority of the season you know defensive woes there was a little bit of defensive woes coming into the season
0: he did he, those last few weeks before he was getting injured we always talked about in the podcast how so he's quietly like being a pretty essential cog for this Mavericks team no I
1: mean and we we see it now with him out of the rotation uh due to injury but needless to say I would probably stick him at the middle of the line I just you know again we haven't seen enough uh to grade him too hard uh you know I just think uh I guess what was expected of him just kind of wasn't uh, and you know JaVel with his whole thing not helping you know that definitely didn't help but um, I, I wouldn't put him overly positive but I wouldn't put him overly negative.
0: I think I would agree with you there uh, if we're taking injuries aside which I guess is only fair since I didn't do that for Dorian or Josh um, then yeah I would definitely put him in that middle tier uh, just because like the athleticism looks like sometimes he's lost a step. Sometimes he hasn't, but you know, he steadily started providing positive minutes out of nowhere. So I would tend to agree with you there. Um, I don't think it's like if we're taking the hamstring tear into account, obviously it's a negative just for the amount of time he's missed. But if we're not, then yes, like for sure. I would take the, uh, would definitely take the um, middle line there. Um, do we want to do any of the, uh, the, the former Mavericks and Kemba Walker and Faku Composo, You don't have to go in depth or anything, but if you wanted to just give your, your over or under
1: thoughts. what, what Yeah, do you... I guess we'll run it. We'll run
0: it. Why not? Yeah, you can do it for Composo real quick.
1: Uh, yeah. Negative. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, what did you, you give Kemba? I, I'd give him over. I think he did what he was supposed to do.
0: Yeah, and in terms of, like, if we're just looking at on-court production, I'd give over for Kemba because he honestly he even played better than I thought. Yeah, he played experience.
1: way better.
0: Uh, it's just he couldn't stay on the floor. Yeah. Um. You know, I I we could grade AJ Lawson, but he he just
1: really hasn't had all thirty you know, seconds of his time on the court. Yes.
0: Oh, Tyler Dorsey. What did what did he? I I think that he's actually like a definite under for my for my opinion at least because yeah the Mavericks brass hyped him as, hyped him up as if he would actually like yes he's on this two way but he, you know, he might see the floor. And, uh, I think that was, that was like severely overblown. Like he played great in the G league, but they just never gave him a crack at the rotation.
1: No. And especially, you know, the fact that we took him over, uh, prime AJ Lawson, uh, I, I just think it only alludes to the case of him being an under asset. I would like to see
0: AJ Lawson get minute. I really think he could actually have a role on this team, but I mean, that's, that's, I guess for another day, yeah. um, but I mean, I, I legitimately think like amidst their three and D woes, like, why not try him out? This is the perfect time. Like, yeah, no what other I mean, chance is he going to have this season?
1: Yeah, probably not. I think with this sort of window of, you know, Josh Green and Dorian coming back, Dorian coming back, uh, this is probably the perfect time to do so.
0: No, exactly. Um, I think this is a pretty easily uh, definite answer on this one as well. What about JaVale McGee? Has he over-exceed or under-exceed your expectations
1: this year? No, I'm going to surprise a lot of people. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> I'll leave it at that. He's a good locker room guy, but, I mean, that's about it. He's honestly surprised me with, like, for how suspicious? little minutes he's played. He's done some pretty good shot blocking. I figured it would take some time, but he's, he's I guess, come his own. He's, like, the Mavs' leading shot blocker now, which says a lot. But
0: uh, Maybe, like, in per game averages, definitely not. A... But, but, yeah, I think
1: it's, like, 1.8. Blocks per game, or yeah.
0: Something. Uh, but uh, just to confirm, like you, you picked the under on him, right? Yeah, for sure. Under, uh, uh, I thought it's
1: my bad. I don't know if I yeah, said no, it. You're
0: fine. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely reciprocate that. I, he has his moments every now and then where he just has his one off good game, but I mean, he doesn't even see the court much, and yeah, just too many compelling factors there. Um, what about for Frank Nilikina? Do, do you feel like he's over or under exceed your expectations?
1: Uh okay. Uh, I'm going to put, I'll put him at the middle tier just because, you know, coming into the season, he was asked to do so many things and he didn't do it. And I mean, he did have that weird injury, but, uh, we've definitely seen him and he's taken a toll off the defense, uh, like in a good way. Um, you know, he's come in, he's pretty much done what's asked of him. So I'd put him as a positive asset there, but just compared to, you know, what was, uh, what we thought now, not, not even what we thought, but what the, the coaching staff told us would happen. Uh, it has to automatically like offset the positive. So I'd put him on the middle ground. Yeah, I'd put him
0: in the middle ground because if we're talking about my expectations for him, they really didn't change yeah. uh, despite yeah. what the coaching staff and Mavs brass tried to insinuate he could um, sort of snap into. But if we're talking just like strictly like that, like he's been kind of the exact same player as last year, steady defender. Yeah. Um, occasionally we'll knock in a 3 or you know, every once in a while. Once in a blue moon gets the rim, but – really all he is so um yeah no I would definitely uh, reciprocate what you said there Theo Pence Jaron, do you has he over or under exceeded your expectations
1: honestly under I mean at times the guy doesn't even look like a basketball player but I mean I guess I he
0: didn't play enough like in that last little stretch last year um and he actually did decent in those games that he had to come in on that COVID hardship deal so I was like I I don't know I guess I had like some sort of skewed perception of him that like Yes. Like I knew he was one of the worser guys on the roster, obviously, but I, I thought like, yes, like I know he's a culture guy and things of that nature, but I did think that he like could still contribute if need be. And, you know, I know he's only got a handful of like meaningful minutes and mostly garbage time minutes, but, uh, he's, he's definitely hasn't impressed as much. I mean, if I had to pick, like, you know, I don't think I had great expectations for him, but, um, you know, I, I feel like he's gone slightly under what I maybe even thought he was going to form into. Not, not even a guy that would get consistent minutes, but just a guy who, if need be, we can plug and play occasionally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Has uh has Dwight Powell, Jaron, has he over under exceeded your
1: expectations this year? Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'll stick with the over, um, just because, you know, coming into the season, we didn't expect him to have a role at all. And, uh, He even accepted it, I think, and and uh, pretty much what was asked of him was like, you know, hey, like we're looking to you again, and he did that. Um, Now, I mean, granted, he hasn't played great, but I just think you know what was given to him. I think he's played honestly pretty good. So
0: yeah, no, just from that standpoint that we didn't think he was gonna really see much time in the rotation at the beginning of the year. I feel like we have to put him an over at that standpoint because he hasn't done anything um, insanely negative regarding that but yeah i mean uh i would i don't really know how much else we can really pull from that uh christian wood jaron is he over under exceeded your expectations as a maverick so far
1: i don't realize we have this many people left but for sure positive um he's he's a for sure over just the things that he's able to do with the on the court with luca um the way he's able to score he's honestly emerged as one of the better shot blockers on the team uh he's kind of fitting on his own on defense i just think you know all of those factors alone elevate him over, especially with the adversity that he had to come over with the um, I guess, coming off the bench for so long sort of aspect. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think he's an automatic over for me.
0: I would definitely concur. Um, You know, part of me at the beginning, you know, when I posed that question to you was like, Oh, is he really like that much of an over, you know, we've seen him do this before to an extent and at his last stop in Houston. But I guess he's never done this on a winning team. And yeah. there were a lot of questions at the beginning of the season, of course, if you'd even start at points. And we had those questions really until about, I don't know, eight to ten games ago. So, I mean, I think from that point, it's like objectively and over. Uh, there's no really other way to spin it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Last guy on the list here is going to be McKinley Wright the fourth. Do you think that he has over or under exceeded expectations for you this season?
1: Me, you know, personally, I think he's honestly probably over expect or like over uh, expectations, just because you know I didn't think he would play at all, uh, and he's somehow found a way to get a pretty decent role. A few games ago, uh, he's definitely you know regressed in his game. Uh, yeah, well, I would
0: not, I wouldn't even know if I'd say that, but he's fell out of the rotation a little bit. But Yeah, yeah. He's still oh, like, yeah, okay. on the outskirts of it. Like he may play in certain games. Like the fact that he has a role on this team at all is uh i think more than i would have imagined yeah going into this like i was hopeful he would have a role but i guess i didn't expect it so good for him and kudos to him that he was actually able to propel himself in this position because uh i i didn't admittedly i wanted him to get here uh to where he he actually saw some time with the main roster because you know i'd seen the you know highlights and things and how he uh Staring it up with the legends at the beginning of the season and stuff, I just didn't know if it was going to happen, and lo and behold, he's uh he's been able to uh furbish himself an actual uh, role in the NBA to uh you know at least a mild extent. So yeah, I mean I, I think that that kind of uh covers it. Um, uh, Do you have any other thoughts before we end the podcast, here?
1: Um, no, I think I'm good. Uh, I mean this team has some work to do, but I don't want to say they've overexceeded. I don't want to say they've underexceeded. So. It's been a weird season.
0: It's been a weird season, and uh, I, I'm still very skeptical as to the identity of this team and yeah, you know, what really is going to happen going forward. But um, after doing this podcast, I'll say as much that, you know, I, I don't feel better about the team, but I don't feel worse. I yeah. feel like I feel like very just like, you know, let's roll with the punches and kind of see what happens. But. I think that this podcast definitely opened my eyes up after not really looking big picture for a while that, you know, this isn't a lost year, but the Mavericks are not going to win a championship this year in all likelihood. Yeah. And they're also probably not going to tank. So from that perspective, just enjoy the moments and uh, let's, let's see how much we can marginally improve this year.
1: Yeah. I think that's,
0: I think that's a very fair um, sort of, Prerogative to go into the new year with, and to go with uh, into the second half of the season as we approach that territory. I agree. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's been a pretty nice pod to kind of look back and look bigger picture. Some things definitely kind of revelating after not really being able to do this. You know, Mr. some of our post game podcasts recently. Uh, I definitely feel like my mindset has been renewed a little bit regarding the team. So that's always good. We got a little bit, bo- little bit more excited after. You know, some of these losses time after time make you kind of feel dead in the water. Uh, just doing the, you know, covering it game after game. But uh, it's, it's good to take a step back and look at this. That's why we want to do this podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, if you made it this far in the podcast, make sure to like and subscribe to us and comment down below. If you're listening on YouTube, we are mainstream mass podcast on YouTube. If you are listening on another listening platform, whether, whether that be Apple podcast or Spotify or whatever other listening platform you're on, we're almost all, we're on almost all listening platforms. Uh, for those of you guys just uh, merely listening to the audio, make sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to us. Uh, mainstream mass podcast, of course, if you enjoyed our content and you enjoyed what we uh, put out, of course, and we, if you made it this far, we really appreciate you guys. And uh, lastly, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Mainstream underscore We're posting. You know, all our podcasts there, all our thoughts on the Mavericks. You know, we, we got everything for you guys over there.
1: Everyday thoughts.
0: Everyday thoughts. Yes, all the fake trades, all the um
1: all, all the US, John-
0: all the selling out for John Collins trades yeah. for those of you guys <laughs> listening from earlier. That's a shout out to all you guys that wanted to tap into your uh, criticizing bags for me there. Um, but nonetheless, we're gonna go ahead and end the podcast. We will catch you guys Thursday night after the Mavericks play the Lakers as they continue to churn along the choo-choo train on their west coast road trip and
1: Yay. let's go <laughs>
0: it is uh, 4:30 a four thirty a.m me and jaron grinded these out for you guys yeah. so if you've listened this far we really do appreciate you guys dm us on twitter if you listen this far dm us please on twitter. please underscore maps say i've listened to your podcast this far you know i, I know that um you, you guys don't have anybody listening uh, but I appreciate you. It would mean a lot to us. It, Excellent. Us it would keep it. us going. Yes, it would keep us going as I'm about to pass out as I have work at 8 a.m. tomorrow and <laughs> I'm finishing editing this podcast less likely at 5 30. I do this for all the MFFLs out there and for Daddy Doncic. Uh, that, that's, a, that's all I have.
1: I think I'm, I think we leave it there. I've emptied the tank way too much.
0: my thoughts. I can't I can't think anymore. <laughs> I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace Bye-bye.